none of my Japanese friends know happened, and I, it's one of the most spectacular visuals you've ever seen in Japanese history. I didn't know about this till you told me about it. Right? Yeah. No one knows about this. Yeah. And when you watch it, you're like, how does not everyone know about this? Welcome back to Small Talk Japan. On this show, we talk about all things Japan in English. My name is Mitch. These are my co-hosts. Natsuki. And Alex. Hello. And today we're all wearing dark colors because we're going to talk about something very serious. Oh, yeah. Actually, we didn't coordinate colors, but we are going to talk about something serious. Because we've been talking about boobies a lot recently that I felt like we should talk about something serious. Boobies are serious, I think. Especially, what did you say when your boobies coming out, flying out? What did you say last episode? Boobies. Pops out. I think she said coming out. Coming out. <laughs> really? Serious episode today, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about today, in Japan, we, we like to think of the Japanese people as being kind of like one culture, one language, one people, and kind of like everybody's on the same page. Everybody has the same kind of attitude and everybody thinks the same, but that's not always true. Well, the image is like football match, cleaning up the rubbish together afterwards, right. or, you know, involved in kind of community activities to keep the place clean or you know that kind of thing right or like when they're in you know school kiddies they all stand up together they're yeah, all wearing yeah. the same uniform so kind of that you know the the nail that sticks out it gets the hammer yeah, yeah, yeah everybody be the same harmonious kind of image right mm -hmm. but it's not always the case and so today we wanted to talk about and this was sparked about uh from there currently right now um there are major demonstrations going on in tokyo about the 2020 olympics happening in 2021 do you guys understand this it's the 2020 olympics on everything mm -hmm. but the year is 2021 why i think they just couldn't afford to change all the signs <laughs> or couldn't be bothered because if they cancel it then you know it's just like a right waste of money so like are all the wikipedia pages gonna be like so and so won gold in the 2020 olympics on 20 on like you know july yeah, something, something, 2021 that's going to confuse people hundreds of years in the future. They're like right. fragments of a hard disk with this information. They're on like, what happened? It's like the Gregorian <laughs> calendar where they just like shaved off some days at one point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway. So there's these major protests happening in Tokyo right now because uh, we're kind of still a little bit in the grips of the pandemic. We're going to pad this video with all the words that YouTube hates. Uh, so we're in the middle of the pandemic and we're flying in people from all over the world. Some of them are vaccinated. Some of them are not vaccinated. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that we're all masked because... Me and Alex are partially vaccinated. One shot, yeah. One shot, whatever that means. Uh, and uh, Natsuki is going to later. Yeah, later. And, uh, you know, it's like kind of not the greatest time to hold the Olympics, to be honest. Yeah. And so there's some real concerns about the safety of the workers and the people. And just today when, when we're filming this episode, just recently, there was a first positive test of a COVID case in the Olympic Village. Mm. Um, and so it's supposed to be like a safe zone, like a bubble where everybody's tested on their way in so that there's no, you know, COVID there, whatever. Uh, and they just got their first uh, positive test. Uh, so there's real concerns of whether or not we can do this safely. And it's really anybody's guess at this point, right? Didn't Bach say that he, it was like there was 0% chance of getting COVID at the Olympics the other day? Bach? Then, yeah, the Olympic, what's his name? Oh, uh, the IOC. IOC dude, right? Yeah. He said there was zero chance of getting COVID anywhere around it. And then, you know, a day later, 
first person in the Olympic Village test positive. <laughs> so it's not well, a good start. Honestly, I feel like every time somebody in leadership says something's impossible, you're just you're just you're begging it for it to happen, right? Yeah. Mm. Like the Titanic, this ship is unsinkable and it sinks on its maiden <laughs> yeah. voyage. You just like that kind of hubris always gets people in trouble. But anyway, so we're not here to debate the Olympics. We know that it's going to happen. There's too much money involved. There's too much powerful people involved. So no matter how much we protest, it's still going to happen. But there's still people in, in Tokyo protesting as we speak. And this reminded me of a couple of historical things that happened years and years ago in Japan that we want to talk about today. And we want to talk about some of the peak protests in Japanese history. Okay. And we're going to start with something that uh, brings us all the way back to, you know, the 60s, uh, the late 60s into the, in, into the 70s. And this happened all over the world was a student movement. Uh, we saw this in China with like, you know, student protests. And I don't want to get into that. But, you know, that ended in, in, a, in, a, in very bloody, in a very bloody way. American universities, there was some violence. But for the most part, it was like hippies and that kind of culture. In Japan, they also had those kind of like student protests. Um, and it was called, can you read it? Zen Kyoto. No, no, like the whole the... Uh, which means the all campus joint struggles committee you guys can google this and that is shortened to the zen kyoto uh, and it was a movement of students who occupied universities during the late 60s and early 70s um, and they had lots of demands and and today we want to talk a little bit about about that we're also going to talk about an assassination of a politician in this in the 60s and then also uh, something that I don't think many people know about, the war for Narita Airport. This is your favorite topic, isn't it? I <laughs> it know is, you love this. Dude, we're going to put some video footage into this YouTube video. So if you guys are listening to this podcast, check us out on YouTube for this one because this is going to have some crazy footage. It in is it. insane. It's um, nuts. Yeah. But we, well, we have to work our way there. So let's start with this, the student movement. Uh, let me ask you, Natsuki, what, living in Japan, I mean, this is before you were born, but living in Japan, what do you know about this? Uh, I have seen some videos and pictures about, you know, students are fighting and uh, the most famous Japanese college tower is burned down yeah. because of the, the, you know, this movement. But that's it. I didn't even think about why they are fighting. What about, they want. Yeah, what they want. So this is a good timing to know what happened alex mm -hmm. uh you love history and you you study all things J japan i mean like what what how much of this did you know i didn't know a lot about this i mean talking to older people like you know my wife's parents or you know older people i know just from work or whatever um I, they've mentioned it to me before but it's hard to kind of grasp the scale of it and what it was like so i imagined originally it was kind of like the hippie movement in the u.s yeah um but it turns out it was much more violent than that and much more kind of um I don't know, socialist, I guess, in, yeah. in the kind of way that they were thinking about things. But I don't know a lot about it. I know it caused a lot of uh, problems in Japan at the time, and it still now has an effect on you know, people. But So I think, you what, I think you've hit it on the head. I think one of the big differences between the, the hippie movement and, and this Zen Kyoto is that the hippie movement is almost seen like through the, the, you know, the, you know, um, uh, the lens of history as being this wonderful, beautiful, colorful expression of love and joy. And it's always pictured in movies as being like a great time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's Woodstock, right? It's like, have fun with your long hair and your bell bottom, stuff like that. The, the, the Zen Kyoto movement was a little bit more radical, right? And part of this was that the desires of the two groups are different. I think the hippies just wanted peace and love and they were challenging authority. They're challenging establishment, but they're doing it in more of a, a non-violent, non-violent resistance way. And that was probably fueled a lot by their, you know, marijuana use and stuff like that. The students in Japan had different goals. Like for one, they were anti-communist party 
especially the, the Japanese Communist Party, they were leftists, but not but non like sectarian radicals, whatever that means. And they were kind of nihilists, which means that they didn't believe in like anything really. There's like it, it all is all bullshit. Screw it all. But their number one goal is that they really, really didn't like authority. And they saw universities as being like the symbol of authority and, and this machine that continues the status quo, that they were really opposed to that idea. So a lot of their protests focused on universities. Uh, uh, Natsuki, do you know some of like the famous universities that they occupied? Toldai, Toldai? so Tokyo University. Yeah, Waseda. Waseda, and then also Nihon University. Nihon University. Mm -hmm. Right. So, the, so one of these uh, uh, instances that I want to point out is that there was this uh, one of the it was called the 200 meter demonstration uh, held in the Nihon University. So they completely occupied this campus. They just like walked in. They're like, we, we're taking this over. It's like it's ours now. They like painted signs. They just like they like took it over, just like made it into their zone. Um, eventually, what Nihon University did is they they moved their university to like a temporary school complex that was in a bunch of fields with built like just 10 buildings in a bunch of fields and they had like barbed wire going around <laughs> the, the these buildings and then they had people checking IDs coming in and out so they dubbed this place the Nihon Auschwitz <laughs> really was the name of it <gasps> can you imagine wow. being a university student and not being part of this demonstration and like walking into this like complex of like barbed wire like buildings out in a field wow in the 60s yeah that's crazy man right i mean like World War II, Holocaust imagery, yeah. very fresh in the mind still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nihon University is always known as, like, we say, Man Moscow, still now. Like, so many people are in there. Uh. That's why it may, not, not, that's one of the reasons, I mean, there are too many students and too many thinking, and it's easy to happen that such a thing, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, population at this time was exploding was after the war. So mm. this is your first generation of, like, baby boomers, right, mm -hmm. that, are, are, that are coming up and going to university. And they're looking at recent history of World War II and thinking, Why, what got us into that to begin with? And it's all, all of our belief system today, is it, like, accurate? And there's also, you know, there's also some anti-American imperialism in here um, because you've got, you know, Vietnam War stuff going on like that. You've got the, uh, the after the, uh, the post-war buildup of, you know, nuclear weapons and stuff like that. I mean, this is all kind of rolled into this, this movement. It seems a very confused, you know, doctrine mm. though, because, you know, I suppose the, the fighting against the kind of totalitarian type of government that led up to World War II. Right. But at the same time, they feel like they've been westernized. Right. So they've lost their national identity. Um, and then, you know, what hierarchical structure in society exists before that is the Edo period and, you know, four levels of people. Can you, can you talk about that, actually? I don't think a lot of people know what you're talking about. So the, during the Edo period, there were the four classes. What is it? Shinoko. So, uh, Shinoko. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was the, uh, the shi, Shizoku, so the, the, the warriors. Mm -hmm. Then what is it? No, no. Yeah, mm. peasants, farmers. And then uh, mm. merchants and mm -hmm. artisans. So artisans and merchants, merchants at the bottom. So these four classes of people existed and you were born into them and that was your life, basically. Yeah. Kind of a caste system. It's a caste mm -hmm. system, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little bit of movement between them, but not a lot. Yeah. And making money was seen as something that was the kind of lowest um, rank of the tier system or whatever. But, you know, that's several hundred years of that followed by basically a, a government in the Taisho period, Meiji period, that was kind of free, like anarchism and thought like that started to come into Japan. Um, lots of different schools of Marxism and stuff appeared as well. Uh, and then they went kind of crazy right wing for the Second World War. Right. From probably mid to late 1920s up until the end of the war. 
Um, and then there's a pushback against that, right? But to what? That's the question. This... It's, it's not just a pushback against that. You've got a foreign nation, the United States, come in and install the GHQ. Yeah. A, a, basically a foreign government with a constitution written in English, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, this is your new country now. And then those people accept that situation, well, most of them, and then have children. And then those children look back at the entire mess of history. Mm-hmm. And they're just going, what the fuck? But the right-wingers <laughs> as well want the same thing, really. They don't want America sat on top of the Japanese government. Right. So the right-wingers and these kids surely want the same thing, you would think. But right. But totally not, you know. Well, the, the kids don't want American imperialism to happen, but they also don't w- like the right-wing, right? It's yeah. a very... I've been, like, I, was, I read up on this before today's show, and I was just like, what the fuck do you guys want? <laughs> and that seems to be their undermining problem is that they don't know what they want, so there's infighting... And what ended up happening was in 1969, this, is, this seems to be the, kind of like the, the, the fade out of it. Around 1969, the, the uh, Japanese government started getting really sick of this. Mm-hmm. And they, they broke up. The, there was this, there was this uh, uh, occupation that happened in the university, the protest that happened in the university in, in Tokyo. And then they occupied the, Yas, the Yasuda Auditorium. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in July, uh, in January of 1969, the, the Japanese government sent in 8,500 riot police. Right. That's like a small town. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They're just like, go in and get them out. And then that seems to be... Like, knock it out. Right. Like, we're done. Yeah, we're done. This is it. <laughs> But I, I remember talking to people that are this generation, or a little bit older, I should say, about these kids. And they're like, we'd watch it on TV and we'd just feel embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And I heard that before. Which Do I don't they? Know, yeah, yeah, which I'm not, a, I'm not a, I don't know if I understand that thinking because I don't think, like, I mean, I see like Occupy Wall Street, right, from 10 years ago or whatever. Oh, they are about 70s now, right? So they're yeah. still in the like, probably those students are in the public. Uh, still working. Still working. Not retired. Oh, yeah. maybe. But they've probably forgotten their radical ways, right? Mm. Mm. right? Hippies became guppies. Yuppies. Yuppies. Guppies and animals. Guppies of fish. <laughs> <laughs> they became yuppies, so they like gave up on that. And they actually, the hippies became the most right-leaning, le- most conservative people, it seems. Well, everybody kind of ventures right as they get older. That's because you get richer and you get yeah. more greedy, right? Yeah. yeah. But, so. but hippies especially, because they did all that bad stuff when they were young. So when they had kids, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to stay right here yeah. at home. Yeah. But yeah, so this is where this kind of started, right? I mean, I've never really talked to anybody who was involved in this. I'd like to speak to someone directly who was there, yeah. you know, who was actually, you know, rioting or whatever. They are, what they they are hiding, maybe. Yeah, no? they're probably politicians and stuff. Yeah, now. yeah, politicians. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, I want to sit down and ask these people, like, what they wanted. They have so much anger inside them. Yeah. <laughs> So here it's like it says here like uh, the Zen Kyoto changed uh, ch- changed the deal with with the ch- they they didn't like the the change of philosophy of universities as a whole. Um, they you know there was like the the universities were becoming more Western. They were talking about like university autonomy. Like they basically were just attacking the structure of the university, mm. which is understandable because you know universities are kind of we we know they're racist in America, mm-hmm. right? We know we know that they are kind of like a kingmaker, right? People who get into Harvard, for example, continue on to have a fruitful life. If you get into community college, it's like forever set kind of your future. But you know, and something happened after this. Something changed. Well. I can't really tell you that because it doesn't seem to, it seems to just go away. Like maybe guys, maybe we're not necessarily the exact like uh, prof- uh, professionals, on this, experts on this, but like, I, I don't know anything that came out of this. I mean, mm-hmm. like, obviously you've got a generation that saw this, witnessed it, and then probably became like shunned to this kind of like 
demonstrations because mm. I don't see much in terms of demonstrations in Japan in general. That's true. There I mean, was there was some anti-nuclear demonstrations after the Fukushima disaster. There were yeah, there were some before that as well to build the nuclear power plant here in Kagoshima as well. Right. I mean, there's stuff like that, but I mean, there's nothing like in the '60s that we saw. Like we'll show later in the show, but I mean, the kids now. I mean, I've taught at university quite a lot, and you know, they just don't seem to have it in them to be able to be honest with you, to be able to do this Natsuki kind of was saying that pre-show she was like she was like these kids have so much energy I can't see any university students doing any of this now yeah they're just, they're just too complacent yeah but after but maybe these students moved Japan good way I guess yeah. because you know in that generation I mean in that time Japan's economy is going up and up right right but then at the same time there's this is just one group of people right I don't I don't even know how much of a percentage of the po- uh, general right, population right. is this uh-huh. there might just been lots, lots of capitalists over here just like ignoring them all oh, right right and some of them might have you know arrested to the jail yeah been arrested mm. they probably did yeah. right because a lot of the things that they were doing were illegal right Mm-mm-mm. um speaking of illegal let's go to our second story that we want to talk about this happened a little bit before the student protest movement mm. it might have actually helped spark it a little bit um a 17 year old actually changed politics in japan in 1960 um, we're talking about the assassination of Asanuma Inejiro. And uh, this uh, guy's if I don't know if you have the stomach for it, but if you Google it, there's you can find the video of it on YouTube. It's actually like there's a photo of it on Wikipedia. It's like it won some prize because it Pulitzer got the, prize, the yeah. Pulitzer Prize because it captured the exact moment when this happened. What happened was a 17 year old boy by the name of Yamaguchi Otoya like rushed on stage while Asanuma was doing a, having a speech. He was, he was, it was an NHK event. They were taping it. And uh, what's the right word for this? Is it shoto or? Shoto. Wakizashi is fine as well. Wakizashi? Yeah. yeah. So samurai basically have two swords. If you read Ready Player One, you've, you've heard this, but you've got the long sword, the daito, and the short sword, which is the shoto. And what, what are they for? What are, why do you have two swords? So... Um complicated sorry so basically the short sword is the uh an accompaniment to the long sword they're both together the, the symbols of the samurai class right okay so the longer one is essentially used for fighting outdoors or whatever the shorter one is for indoor use okay or to commit seppuku with to kill yourself with if you need to do that so if you lose your big sword in battle or something like that and it's like time to go yeah well you'd wear it inside when you went into a building or a house or something you'd take your long sword off and leave it at the entrance way uh-huh. so you'd always have the short sword on with with you inside basically so that's why there's two so this is like the western movies where they have to like check their guns at the door but they've always got that little pistol in their boot yeah yeah same okay. kind of thing right yeah. okay anyway no this is no joking matter um because we're actually talking about the assassination of, of, a, of a human being but this if you, if you guys watch this you'll see the the student he runs on stage um and he simply i i don't even know what the, the move is he just has his sword like this and just slides in into the dude's side and just like goes right through his torso and then you know he succumbed to his injuries the reason why the 17 year old felt you know so motivated to do that was because this particular uh politician was kind of flirting with uh, ideas and like uh espousing the ideas of the chinese communist party from what i've read natsuki what do you know about this nothing nothing did, <laughs> you, did you know this happened no <laughs> have you ever seen the videos or pictures or anything of this no, no. zero yeah it, i mean it's not like a a major historical event that's taught in school, I don't think, you know. Um, so they do tend to brush stuff like this under the carpet a little bit. Yeah, how like World War Two is like two pages in their history book. Yeah. It's like World War Two was a sad time. Let's never do that again. You're like, yeah. details, no. Especially like hardline right-wingers. Like this kid was a, a young 17-year-old kid, as you said, but he was like, uh, you know, in line with right-wing politics. Mm. 
So, you know, they probably don't want to glorify that kind of thing too much in case. Yeah, inspiring oh. others. People might be inspired by it or whatever. But, but it's this, a shocking thing. It's yeah, and this 17 years old boy who killed this, you know, Inejiro Asanuma, so he killed himself after he killed him. Yeah, so according to uh, the reports, and who knows if this is true, right? Um, we're talking about Epstein off, off uh, uh, before the show, but we're talking about Epstein, right, who apparently committed suicide. Uh, but this this child, because he's only 17 years old, was in prison or in jail, uh, probably awaiting a trial, and then he uh, oppo- uh, supposedly uh, hanged himself. Um, and so, I don't know if I believe that, but, you know. Yeah. Was... I mean, I think the right in Japan has more support than the left, to be honest with you. They they, t- so... they say that the police are right-wingers, right? Well, I was at a Uyoku demonstration, and, like, it was police versus Uyoku, and then I asked my friend afterwards, and he was like, they're the same people. <laughs> I was like, are they really? I don't know if that's true or not. Don't... I, know, I know quite a lot of policemen who are all right, you know. All the policemen that I know are cool. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know any Uyoku. If, if I do, I don't know that they are Uyoku. No, I don't know many of them. <laughs> you Not, guys you don't really want to hang out with people like us. Are there much. any words in English, Uyoku and Sayoku, lefty and sa- Left wing and right wing. Yeah, yeah but Uyoku mm. is more than right wing. It's like extreme right winger. Yeah. Mm. Like the people who like storm the capital. Let's just offend everybody today. Those crazy people, you know, with the hats yeah. and everything, those are basically the American version of Uyoku. That mm. bison hat guy. What's he all about, man? And then I love that he lives with his mom. Does he? And then yeah, he lives with his mom. And then like he was like, he has special dietary needs. And so he hunger stroke, like strike strikes, that's the word, in, in jail. Mm-hmm. And a judge sided with him. So he's getting like some vegan special menu or something like that in jail. My God. Everybody, right here, if you needed the definition, put it up there, Josh, when you edit the video. White privilege. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, dude. But I mean, you just look at him. You just—he's watched Highlander, or not, is it Highlander? No, no, no. What's the one with Mel Gibson? Braveheart. Braveheart. There you go. That's why you have a microphone, Josh. Braveheart. Braveheart. Oh, I know that movie. Well, he's put some effort into his costume. Give him some points for that. (laughs) What level shaman do you think he is? I don't know. He's probably about (laughs) ten. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why, but this, you know, news, I mean, this uh, article reminds me of the John F. Kennedy got shot yeah. in front of the everybody. So during this time, there's a lot of crap going on in the world, oh. right? And so, yeah, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, but that was big news. And if you ask any, even like young American today, was what happened to JFK? They're like, oh, he was shot. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that was like conspiracy by the CIA or whatever, who knows? But we know that he was shot dead. This is, no one knows about this. Yeah, I didn't know. Mm. Right, I knew about JFK, but I don't know about him. <laughs> right, it's so weird. Like nobody knows about this. Mm. I'm. I mean, has there ever been more of a like a a photographed assassination, especially in such a Japanese way? Mm. Yeah, with a, a sword. With as a well, sword, right? right? Mm. They call it yakuza rashi. That what they're doing with the sword. You run up to them with it against your body like that, and you run into them. Yeah. It's what is it called? Yakuza Rush. Yakuza Rashi. Like Yakuza, like Yakuza. Yeah, and Rush. Rush. Like running into them with it. Is that like a video game move or is that a real thing? (laughs) I have no idea, but that's uh, what I've been told it's called. (laughs) That'll that'll be a research job for Josh later. I mean, to be be perfectly honest, that is quite a good way to stab somebody if you wanted to do that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen like failed assassination attempts on YouTube before where the guy will rush the stage with a gun and then like miss. Right. And then like the security guards take him out. But this was... 
like it looks like a movie right mm. and I'm, I'm not i'm not glorifying this at all i think i i think violence is horrible i would never do anything violent violent myself but like the fact that this isn't bigger news is just crazy to me mm. now this happened in 1960 okay mm-hmm. um in this later on in the 60s what i what the meat of today's show is going to be about which is like the biggest printout that we have <laughs> uh is the thing that no one none of my japanese friends know happened and i it's one of the most spectacular visuals you've ever seen in japanese history i didn't know about this till you told me about it right yeah no one knows about this yeah and when you watch it you're like how does not everyone know about this mm-hmm. so we're talking about narita airport okay um, Narita Airport, if you guys don't know, if you come into Tokyo, there's two international airports in, in Tokyo. Not because they need two, but because uh, Haneda used to be the main airport. And it used to be called Tokyo International Airport before it became Haneda. And then they were like, we need a new airport because by 1970, we're going to, like, Haneda will be over capacity. And for logistical reasons, they just needed to move it. So they needed a site to build a brand new giant airport, was going to be called Tokyo International Airport. And instead of trying to find a suitable site and like negotiating and everything like that, the board of people who are in charge of this just went here and the locals will deal with it. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, this is going to cause problems. Okay. So basically they, they established a site for Narita airport, which is supposed to be the biggest airport in Tokyo. It's supposed to be replaced in Haneda before construction began on it. Actually, I want to I want to talk about the history of this area a little bit. Okay, so the area is called the uh, Sanrizuka area. Okay, mm. and the reason why this is such an important area, and actually, uh, uh, Alex, you could probably talk about this a little bit as well, is there used to be. So it, this is the regional history. Okay, so this is a northern uh, region of Chiba Prefecture. Okay, and it uh, it since the Edo period, it was called a kon konson, which means like old village, mm. and basically it was a farm area that then became part of the imperial family's farming property. Mm. Right, so the imperial uh, family basically took it over. Okay. And then when that dissolved, all of the farmers left in the area basically had to survive. Right. And a lot of farmers left the area. And then so uh, farmers that stayed there worked their butts off and bought the land of their neighbors and stuff like that. And they established this kind of semi-fruitful farming zone. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it had a really, really like it was like trial by fire to get to that point because they came through generations of farmers being oppressed and all this other stuff. Suddenly... They have nobody taking care of them anymore. They got to take care of themselves. And it's just like, you know, they got to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. So you can kind of see why these people are, they want to stay in their, this land. And suddenly a, a foreign government to them, because like this, you know, these people in Tokyo are just like, we decide that the new airport is going to go here. And then they they come in with these kind of predatorial, like financial uh, strategy where they, they go and they find the poorest far- farmers first and start paying off and buying them out mm-hmm. at, at low prices. Mm-hmm. And then so they start buying little bits of land, but there are a whole, bu- a whole bunch of holdouts. So they use like financial pressure. They use like they use like basically mob tech like tactics and stuff like that to pressure these people to sell their land. Well, there's blowback. So suddenly you start seeing organization with the farmers and they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to start protesting this. Um, and this is where actually, Josh, can you throw up some of this video on TV on, this, on the screen? So. First of all, when I sent you guys the YouTube link to this, the AP story on this, what, what, were your, what was your reaction? Let me, let me get Alex, you first, because you... Well, I knew that there was a protest because you'd mentioned it to me before. Um, and then I mentioned it to a few other people and they were like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. But I'd never seen the video. Yeah. So I decided to go and check it out, had a look. And I was expecting something like the uh, student riots, like people all kind of huddled together, yeah. you know, pushing against the police and that's about it. But 
it's not that. No. <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah. Mm. It looks like a scene from a Kurosawa Akira movie. Mm. Right. It you looks know. like a movie. It looks like a pitch battle with, you know, a castle and some no. samurai. It's, it's nuts. Right? Yeah. Natsuki, when you first watched this this YouTube video, what did you think? Wow. I actually knew about this incident because it was on the textbook when I was in really? yeah, junior high school or high school. I can't remember. But just a tiny, tiny thing. So I never seen the video. Yeah. So just wow. So what ends up happening, okay, is they break ground. Uh, uh, they start constructing the airport. So you've got these construction workers who are inside this like airport construction zone. Then all of a sudden you start getting protesters who then like kind of there's some, you know, I, I read various accounts, but there's apparently some influence of, that, of those students that we're talking about, the student groups before. Um, and so in this video right here, they start teaching the villagers phalanx, phalanx techniques from like the Roman era and like how to actually wage war. Not, we're not talking about protests. We're talking violent uprising against this airport. And you see clashes between riot police on one side and angry, pissed off villagers on the other side that are arming themselves with, with sticks and stones and Molotov cocktails. And it's just nuts. Like, it's absolutely nuts. At some point, as uh, 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 Alex alluded to, they built a castle. Like, they mm. built this, like, uh, scaffolding castle that was, I think, I think se several, I think maybe 200 meters tall or something like that. It was, like, some, some meters tall. I forgot the number. But it was there so that they couldn't conduct test landings at the airstrip mm. because they had this giant structure right next to the airstrip. So these people were smart, right? They knew what they were doing. And they, I don't think that they were actually trying to kill anybody. I think they were just trying to get the people off their land. Um, and anyway, the way that this ended up uh, ending was like police, there's videos too. Police literally were surfing on cranes mm. into this structure and jumping onto the scaffolding and like tackling people and ripping it down with construction equipment mm. as it's on fire. Wow. Can you imagine this in Japan today? No. Like with Hello Kitty and all the like anime stuff. Like, could you imagine this? It's just, it's, it's it looks insane. They have guts to do it. Right? <laughs> Again, we're not advocating violence. No one should ever be violent. But it, when you watch this, you're like, what country is this? But you got to remember, like, um, I think it's Ernest Sato or someone like that, one of the British diplomats that came to Japan in the kind of late 19th century or whatever. He said the Japanese, I can't remember the exact quote, something, but they've got hot Malay blood is what he says. Hot Malay blood. So he said, like, um, I don't know if it was Sato, actually, but they, they appear very calm and serene, things like that. But if you piss them off, like, the really, they'll fuck you up. You know what I mean? So I actually had <laughs> a, an ex-Marine tell me that he fought uh, in Okinawa and stuff like that. And then after the war, he had come back to the country, made, like, made his kind of, like, amends and everything and just, like, you know, you know mended, yeah. like, his relationship with his country. And one of the things he, I, he he's passing away now, but one of the things that he told me, he's like the Japanese are such a peaceful, like sweetest, amazing people. Don't piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> Once they get pissed, they yeah, are yeah, it's like, and it's true too, because you you probably see this too, Alex. But when you're in a bar, everyone's just having a great time, and guys are all being like, kind of like you know, a little girly and stuff like that, and mm. playful. Once one of them gets so pissed off about some egregious thing that's happened, it's like all of a sudden you see like samurai culture come out. Yeah. You're just like, damn, that guy's pissed. Their I'm just going to sit here. coming out. It's true. 
But I think there's that organization aspect to it as well. So the Narita protests, for example, are organized, right? Yeah. It's not just chaotic rabble. Right. It's actually an organized protest that's slipped into violence. Mm -hmm. So that makes it even more dangerous, right? Right. And there is a history of that, like peasant uprisings and things like that. Well, I mean, that all that stuff really traces its roots back to the you know, the revolution in France, right? Yeah. With the guillotine, just like off with their heads in the streets, oh. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And But I mean, again, we're not having, don't do anything violent, guys. You know, peaceful protest if you're going to protest. But at that time, the thing that really shocked me about that is what you were just talking about, the organization, the level of teamwork that that village came together mm. as like a fighting unit. Mm. And, th and this country is not, you know, it's not foreign to this country. Back in the day with feudal lords and everything, they used to war in inside the country, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And peasants and villagers were taught to fight in a very similar way. Yeah, so there's the uh, Ikoiki mm -hmm. Buddhist sect uprisings, very famous. Can you talk about that? What is that? Uh, not in detail. But just <laughs> su brief summary. So basically, there's several you know warlords battling out for regions of Japan, and there was a, a Buddhist sect called Ikoiki, which is pure land Buddhism. Yeah. So basically, if you chant uh, Amida, Nembutsu, whatever, you'll go to the pure land and be saved. Uh, so anybody could kind of join in with it. Basically, yeah. it didn't. You didn't need to be intelligent to understand it or anything like that. So it became popular with the peasants and and you know lower classes or whatever. Uh, and they did several kind of uprisings against, you know, people like Oda Nobunaga and other warlords as well and caused quite a lot of chaos, actually. Really? So after that, Pure Land Buddhism was punished quite hard all uh. across Japan, even in Kagoshima as well. Shimazu clan punished um, the Pure Land sect really badly, banned mm. it, basically. Well, I mean, that, they did the same thing, not, not Shimazu, but in Japan, they did the same thing to Christianity. Where, you know, they, uh, yeah, same thing, yeah. Apparently, some sailor, I think it was a Portuguese sailor, told some, you know, uh, important Japanese official that, oh, Christianity is the first step to an invasion. Like, first they send the missionaries, then they send the guns. And then, uh, this is according to legend, and then after that, it's like, we're banning all things Christian. <laughs> uh, and then there's reports of, like, you know, uh, the, the authorities making the Christians, the Japanese Christians at the time stand on a picture of Jesus and if they wouldn't do that, they would kill them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, things yeah. like that. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I mean, there's that is part of the history, mm. uh, unfortunately. But man, I don't know. You guys at home are looking at these videos of this Narita Airport. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who watch this show have been to Narita Airport. Mm. It's such a, like a peaceful place. You know, I don't like it personally. I think it's too far away and inconvenient. I it is inconvenient. <laughs> but I hear that you know the the, the little area in Narita Airport still people are fighting back. And and they're still farmers today. Yeah. Right next to the runway. Oh, right. Didn't you say there's like a sign somewhere? I tried oh. to find evidence of this. Okay, so this is a memory that I've had, and I tried to Google through this, but I couldn't. But is either somebody told me, or I saw this with my own eyes. I don't remember. But there was a uh, a farmer's building next to the the airport, and on the rooftop it said "fuck Narita" or something <laughs> like that in English letters. I couldn't find this for the life of me, but I swear to God, this is somewhere in my memory that this happened. Mm. So you looked out the window and saw this? I either saw it myself it. or I heard about it and then saw it on the internet or something like that. I don't remember where this is. Sometimes this happens, guys, where I have this piece of information and sometimes I mix it up with something else, but I couldn't find it. So don't quote me on this one, but I'm, I think that there was a large rooftop sign, you know, because when you fly into airports, some of the times the businesses put, you know, mm -hmm. advertisements on the rooftops because mm -hmm. people look at them. And uh, it just said, fuck Narita on it. <laughs> so don't quote me on that. But if you guys do find it or find what I'm talking about, please link it to us in the comment section. 
Man, I always hate going from Narita to Haneda when you've uh, got to change between the two airports, especially if you're coming in from like a long flight. Yeah. Mm. Nightmare. Like I an, mean, I'd protest that now. It's an hour long bus <laughs> drive, right? It yeah. sucks. And then like the Narita, I'm sorry. I, don't, I think they should just give up on Narita. Narita is in the most inconvenient place. It's far away. Mm. Like, oh, I hate Narita. Haneda is perfect. It's a perfect distance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You, get on the, you get on the subway, you're there in a minute. You know, they've got a subway. They've got two subway uh, stations in it, I think. It's, it's the perfect size. Mm. I, I like the amenities there. I don't know why I remember this, but they have a Victoria's Secrets. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, International airport. Yeah, it's, it's, and they have a shower. <laughs> I showered there before. One. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They have a shower. It's yeah. great. I love Haneda. Narita, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that farmer. <laughs> no, seriously. Narita's a bad airport. Uh, Ka, uh, what is it? The one in uh, Ka, uh, Kansai International Airport. Yeah. That one's good. Kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kicks. I like kicks. Mm-hmm. It's good. Nice and It's just a straight hallway. Made on reclaimed land. Have you ever been to Nagoya one? I hear the Sentole. Chubu? Chubu. Chubu. Chubu is good. Uh, I've Chibu. never been there. I've been there. It's good. Yeah, mm. I like the airport. I don't like N- Nagoya. <laughs> Why? Ooh. Ooh. If you're from Nagoya, I'm sorry, but your place is super chutahampa. Oh my goodness. It's like, okay, so here we go. Here we go. We're going to make some enemies. So you got Tokyo, who's chic, right? You got Osaka, who's like the like the Vegas of, of Japan. Nagoya's like, I want to be a little bit of both. And you're like, mm. you didn't really do either of them really well. Well, it wants to be Kyoto a little bit too. Okay, so then it's even more. But You know, you've got a castle. But Nagoya was the only place that I went to where we tried to go into a nightclub and they said, Japanese people only get out of here. Oh my really? goodness. Yeah, it's called W. It's in Nagoya. You can look <laughs> it up. And it says on their homepage that they won't let you in if you're foreign. Is that right? Yeah. I'm going to try if I get And the there. greatest thing about it, too, is the guy that told me that I'm not allowed to go in was a giant black guy. And I was just like, don't you think that, you know, this is like, you shouldn't work here. Like, this is kind of not cool. And he's just like, it'll say somewhere. It's like only Japanese people. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I was there with, uh, I, we, I talked about him before. I'm the fr- uh, my friend from Georgia and uh, two, two Japanese people. And they, they were like, oh, we'll let you guys in, but we won't let the, the you foreign people in. I was like, thanks, let's go to a different club. Wow. Yeah, anyway, that was in their description. And like, I was like, no way. There's, there's no place like that in Japan anymore. And we went there and they're like, you too, go by. I was like, you're speaking to me in English. You're foreign. And you're saying no foreigners allowed. He's like, it's my job. Like, mm. Last time I went to a nightclub was in Kyoto. I yeah. can't remember the name of it. Kyoto has nightclubs? Yeah, it had one, I think. <laughs> and I just never wanted to go to a nightclub ever again. I was why? Like why? Because it's can't be bothered. I'm too old, man. Well, mm. that's, that's my feeling as well. Yeah. I'd rather go to a nice bar uh, and chat to people and then, you know, maybe go to a restaurant or something. I went to a place in Osaka. I think it was Osaka. It's called Bambi or something like that. And I was like, I walked in. Everybody's like 20 to 25. <laughs> and I was just like can we leave? I was just like, I feel bad. No, I once went to the nightclub in Osaka with Mitch and then right after we entered the club, he just disappeared. You know, having, <laughs> having fun by himself. Where did he go? Yeah. <laughs> to the girls. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> How do you get from assassinations and student riots to nightclubs? Is well, what I, I mean, how many, how many of these people that were in the student group were doing it just to like, you know, find girls? Actually, none. Because when, <laughs> no, when you see videos of it, it's just all dudes. There's like, it's, there's no hippie love there. It's, it's like, yeah, they missed out, man. But anyway, guys, we've covered a lot of historical stuff on this show. If you guys, dis- especially if you know more about history than we do, if you disagree with anything, we will put a correction in the show if you want us to. Mind you, the Olympics are starting to do things like the lift in Tokyo, right? Some what? hotel had a sign saying no foreigners with, with Japanese people. Yeah. 
for one of the places the athletes were staying at, something like that. Oh, 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 And there's this giant dude from, I don't know, some African country. And, he, you know, based on his accent, he was just like, sorry, bro, you can't come in here. And I was just like, man. You should have said, I work here like you. I'm the DJ. He would have been like, oh, yeah, what, <laughs> I'm the DJ. You know, they probably would have let me in if I was a DJ. <laughs> How stupid is that? I know. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, all foreigners are forbidden. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what? Told you. W, mm. you suck. Yeah, how weird. Well, it's going to be one of them places if it's in Nagoya. Oh, for sure. But they're all those kinds of places anyway. But honestly, yeah. like, I just don't like Nagoya. What is up with your weird miso dishes? Like, and your izakayas close okay, at 10 stop p.m. It, stop it. All of your <laughs> izakayas close at 10 p.m. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? Makes no sense. What happens at 10 p.m.? Like, seriously. There's one area where it's open past 10 p.m., but yeah. it's not good. <laughs> and then, I, I'm with you on this. I don't like I, Nagoya. I, we're, we're like, we went from like talking about uh, the war and, and Narita to shitting on Nagoya. Sorry, Nagoya. We, we don't really dislike you that much. But the green beam of light that you have going over your city, what is that about? I don't get that. If we go to Nagoya now, there's going to be a protest against us. <laughs> They're going to come out with spears yeah. like this. But, but I hear uh, in maybe next year, Ghibli Land is going to open in Nagoya. And I, um, I want to go there. Actually, I'd go, I'd go to a Ghibli Land. I want to, I want to do that zip line into Godzilla's mouth, wherever that is. That's somewhere Where? in the country. It, Nagoya? No, I think it's in... Somewhere? I don't know. I don't want to mm-hmm. say. I mean, Josh is furiously Googling us. So I'll just wait yeah. for him to do that. But there's like this new ride where you can like zip line into the mouth of Shin Godzilla. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cool. Wow, that sounds pretty good. Where is it, Josh? Wow. I'll see you Sounds like fun. I mean, looks like fun. Do you get to come out of his ass as well? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> where? It says it's uh, at a theme park located on Awaji Island. Awaji Kobe and Osaka. Oh. Hyogo, huh? Hmm. I mean, I look at those teeth. Shin Godzilla's gross. I don't like him. I like the older show era, like fun Godzillas. So anyway, okay, we're going to end the show now because we're just going to keep going to stupider things. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed today's uh, heavily historical hmm. episode, let us know. Hit the like button. Leave us a comment. If you wanted us to go even more, like a deeper dive into the history, let us know. If you uh, want us to keep talking about video game movies, that's cool too. We can do that. <laughs> yep. All right, guys, it's been our episode today. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.